blessings and curses. Uh, and again, it's not by justification. Like you're not justified by doing right, right? You're justified by the blood of Jesus. But you are, you, in your, in your walk, you are blessed when you do right. Does that make sense? And so we're going to spend a little bit of time in Deuteronomy chapter 28 and, uh, and just bringing back to your mind this, this season at the end of Deuteronomy is Moses' last words. And the nation is about to go into the promised land, but the problem is Moses isn't going with them. And, and if you remember, Canaan, uh, as they're going into Canaan, most of the Israelites were dead. He's speaking to a new generation because they all died in the wilderness, right? And he's about to pass the torch. He's about to, God is going to use Joshua to lead them into the promised land. And so these are kind of his parting words, all right? And, and imagine this, going on a mountain that you can see the promised land, but you can't go there. Um, but it was a beautiful death that God, uh, God, it was of God in that moment. But I, I, want you, I want you to ask you a question before we get any further, all right? What does this word mean? So be it, so be it. Uh, if you go up north, uh, you know, as the preacher's preaching, they, they don't want you to say amen because it's, uh, this is where I grew up, up in New York. Don't want you to say amen because you need to just listen and not bring attention to yourself, right? Then if you go down south, it seems like everything the preacher says, everybody's saying amen. It's like, we need to park in better, keep our parking lot in better shape. Amen. We need to... We need to give more money, amen. We need to give to missions, amen. Like, whatever it is, we need to get the preacher a steak dinner, amen. All right? So there's, there's these things called amen corners, right? And it's a response. It's a response of the people that's saying, I agree, so be it. It is true. I agree with that. And so there, imagine that, and, and by the way, I... I have a lot of African-American brothers in Christ that are, I mean, are very close brothers. And a very common saying, can I get an amen? And uh, I love that because there's moments at time like, do you agree with this? Like, this is real. And it's, a, it's an echo of the heart of the people to say amen. And so here in, in Deuteronomy 27, he shares 12 circumstances or 12 situations and, and most of them of secret sins. And he's calling the people to say, do you agree with this? And he said, their response was always, amen. So, so imagine there's 11 uh, secret sins, like um, sexual sins, like murderous sins, and like assassination sins, different things like that. And after every one, he says, and the people said, amen. all right. So then the last one, the last verse of chapter 27 says this. Cursed be anyone who does not confirm the whole words, the words of this law, by doing them. And all the people shall say, amen. amen. So this is how he finished his, his, uh, the curses, that just letting people know, we're signing up for this. Do you agree? And the people said, amen. All right. So now, you turn the page to chapter 28, verse 1. They just agreed to it. They just agreed to the whole law. Okay, we're going to be cursed if we do wrong. 
We're going to be blessed if we do right. We're all in, right? And then we turn to blessings if you obey. Uh, there's, there's 14 verses in chapter 28. Uh, 14 verses that talk about what, how you will be blessed. It talks about how God will extend, uh, extend a blessing from heaven on behalf of the people for, for their doing. So let's walk through this. Um, and I'd like to walk through it. We're not going to spend, um, we won't spend a lot of time, but I do want to walk through it. Verse 1. And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. And this is, this is a preview. It's speaking immediately in the promised land, but this is a preview of something that's coming bigger. It's going to set you above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if, if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. And verse three it brings up this thriving economy. It says, blessed shall, be, shall you be in the city, talking about merchants, and in the field, talking about farmers. Like the, the economical structure was gonna be strong, this thriving community or, or economy. And verse four says, brings up this thriving fertility. That it says, blessed shall be the fruit of your womb, the fruit of your ground, that's the, the good soil, the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herds and the young of the flock. And the crazy thing is their, their wealth is seen by their dinner tables. It says, blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. The basket and the kneading bowl. It's the idea that the stuff we take from the gleanings we take from the field will translate to the kneading board. That's, that's the idea of making bread. We have food on our table because of the provision of God in the, in the fields. And verse, uh, verse six, blessed shall you be when you come in and when you go out. And that's an idiom, that's a phrase to describe everyday life. Just the blessings of a thriving economy. Um, what, what are the evidences of a thriving economy in the United States of America? You, you see it, there's... There are areas of this country that are just thriving and booming. There's new cars, nice cars, and big brand new houses. Houses going up everywhere. Brand new houses. Uh, ironically, this is one of the greatest uh, evidences of a thriving economy, believe it or not. Do you know that? Amen. I, amen. Somebody said amen. Amen. <laughs> One of the evidences of a, of a thriving economy, Chick-fil-A strategically will not place a Chick-fil-A unless it's in an area that is growing in economy. You know, they will not put, so they, they go through a period of years of, of investigating a local economy, and so actually the evidence of a healthy area is if you see Chick-fil-A. Amen, all right. Uh, nice parks, like nice schools, education system, you think about the, the areas of a thriving economy, the ways of the blessing on that area is just so tangible in every aspect. And this, this is the greatest, most tangible uh, evidence that this is a thriving area. Gas station bathrooms are clean. <laughs> True story. Like, just, you feel like I'm going to stop at that rest area because the gas station is clean. 
all right? Um, maybe I'm weird. Can I get an amen? All right, so verse seven, God's blessing on the people uh, and, and just the, every aspect of the nation and culture that God was pouring out his blessing on. Uh, it says, the Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before you. They shall come out in one way, one unified force coming straight towards, uh, towards uh, Israel. And then they'll flee seven ways. They're just scattering to try to get away from Israel because God is giving the, giving the victory, military success. The Lord will command the blessing on you and your barns and all that you undertake. And he will bless you and the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And that, by the way, financial prosperity like just everything that their hand touches turns to gold, that mentality. Um, verse nine, Lord will establish you as a people holy to himself. As he has sworn to you, if you, if you keep his commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his divine ways. Like God's favor poured out on an entire nation. And all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord. And they shall be afraid. Let me just, let me park the bus right here just a minute. Do you remember what, uh, when they're entering to the promised land and they, they send a couple spies into Jericho, how are we gonna do this? There's a certain lady that helped them out. What was her name? Rahab. What did she tell the spies? She said, this city is freaking out right now because they've heard the power of God displayed through your nation and they're scared to death. They're scared for their lives. Like the renown of God's glory and power was spreading way before the nation ever got to these cities. They, the reputation of what God was doing through Israel was unbelievable, almost un, literally unbelievable to people. And they shuddered in terror just thinking about what God might do through the power that, that God was displaying through the nation of Israel. And crazy thing, again, this is pointing, pointing us past where we're at right now. This is stuff that's going to happen that God is going to bless and, and show forth his glory and power through this nation one, once more. So we're going to get to that in a minute, but verse 11. The Lord will make you abound in prosperity in the fruit of your womb and in the fruit of your livestock, the fruit of your ground, within the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give. The Lord will open to you his good treasury, the heavens, and give you rain and your land in its season and to bless all the works of your hands. And the Lord shall lend to many nations, or you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not be borrower. Their wealth they're lending to other nations. It's the opposite of what would happen again in, in curses. And then verse 13, and stick with me here. Verse 13, and the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. That's speaking, they're gonna be the leader among all the nations of the world. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, being careful to do them. And if you do not, turn aside from any of the words that I command you to the right or to the left to go after other gods to serve. This, this is straightforward. What did they say at the end of verse, chapter 27? They said, amen. They agreed to this. 
And so now God's saying, this is blessing. This is what's going to happen when you follow after God's will. This is God's plan for your life. Crazy thing, you turn the page, and verse 15 starts the curses. And the irony is, there are 54 verses dedicated to the curses. 14 verses to the blessing, 54. It's, it's got to kind of catch your attention, doesn't it? If, if you see somebody speaking so much and so intensely on these curses, then there's a reason for it, right? As compared with the other. Uh, more than three times as many of the curses. So what in the world... What is the purpose? I think it's kind of a foreshadowing of, of Israel's failure, that it's going to happen. And in essence, when it's going to happen, this is what it's going to look like. That's what he's saying. Uh, it's not a coincidence when you see all these things being inflicted on your nation. It's not going to be a coincidence because you heard it first from the word. So when these things happen, know one thing, that these are curses from God himself on the nation of Israel, and, uh, and don't be surprised. And let me say this, I, when, when your heart is running from God, what happens? What, what is the purpose of these curses? Are the purpose of these curses to just shred up the country and just leave them in rubble and forget about them forever? No, the purpose is so that they might understand the standard of God for their, their people, understand the repercussions for their sin, and it would draw them to what? Repent. Turn. That's why God doesn't allow your life to be blessed right now, by the way. You, here in Canova, West Virginia, God doesn't allow your life to be blessed when you're running from him because he wants you to repent. That's, that's the, the blessing of having a father that cares so much for us that, that his love is demonstrated, in this, not just in the provisions and the good stuff. His love is demonstrated in how he disciplines us. You know, I, I'm a father of four kids, and, and how, in my mind, and just thinking about, I don't know what kind of family you came from, what, what discipline looked like in your home. But, but when you talk about parenting, especially being a father, what is a greater demonstration of love? Me providing for them and protecting them or me disciplining them? It's a trick question, by the way. It's both. I think in our mind, when we think about love being demonstrated to our kids, we think the, the greatest demonstration is that I'm providing and protecting. And those are incredibly good demonstrations of the love of God, the, the love of a father, specifically. But also, when you are refusing to discipline your kid, you, this, is what, this is what it says in Hebrews. The Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastens or chastises every son whom he receives. The mentality is if you choose not to discipline your child, you're communicating to him that you're an illegitimate child. You're treating them as if they're not your child. So when he's, he's encouraging us in, Gen, in Hebrews chapter 12, that when God chastens you, he's loving you. He's caring for you. He doesn't want 
when your heart is running hard away from him and life is getting tough and all these situations, his deepest desire is not that you just have a blessed life and your best life now. He wants it to be miserable. He does. Because he loves you so much, he's not willing to let you be where you are. Isn't that good? That's truth. The kindness of God. And it was asked in the form of a rhetorical question like, duh. It's the goodness or the kindness of God is meant to lead us to repentance. It's in his kindness that he allows us to see these curses. So let me ask you this in another term, in an illustration. Is the law bad? I mean, we know the word of God, it says the law is good. Well, just speaking in terms of right here in Wayne County, Upper Wayne, Upper Wayne County, okay? When somebody does something wrong, it, you rip that person, that bad person out, and the purpose of prison is to get bad people out of here and, and tear up families and and uh, give people setbacks. No, the desire of prison, the desire of law is that we might incentivize. We might tell people, look, do right so you don't end up here. The goal of prison isn't to throw a bunch of people in prison. The goal of prison is to incentivize people to do what's right, right? And it communicates to a whole culture that when you do what's wrong, you're gonna end up seeing pup. The attorney, pup, all right? But the law is good. And so we turn, here's these curses, and I'm, I'm gonna spend just a little bit of time and then I, in essence, summarize because there's so much, just, in, just unpacked it for you and I'm gonna present it to you. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God or be careful to do all his commandments and all his statutes that I command you today, Then all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. Every one of them. Cursed shall you be in the city. Cursed shall you be in the field. That's merchants. That's that's farmers. Every aspect. Cursed shall you be in your basket and your kneading bowl. That's looking like famine. You don't have enough in your basket to translate to your kneading bowl and your family goes hungry. Cursed shall you be the fruit of your womb, the fruit of the ground, the increase of the herds and the young of your flock. Cursed shall you be when you come in, and cursed shall you be when you go out. Every aspect of life, everyday life. He's saying it's gonna come when you don't follow after the will of God, the follow after the word of God. And so, uh, and let me just say this. You saw this one, I'm, I'm gonna bump it back. The fruit of your womb. It's talking about infertility, this idea that, uh, and, and I, I want to I stop here and just encourage you, don't read your life into the storyline of here. Don't assume that, that God is um, punishing me and that's why I'm not getting pregnant. Don't assume that the, everything bad in my life is because God is doing it to me because he hates me or he's chastising me. I mean, think about in terms of this. Was Hannah running from God before she had Samuel? No, it doesn't indicate that anywhere, right? Was Paul running from God when he got tortured? When he didn't have anything to eat and he had to figure out that uh, through Christ I can do all things, but I can live with nothing, 
That's what he's saying in that. Philippians. So all these things, all these things that happen, don't infuse your story into it and just assume things, right? This is speaking of a curse towards a nation and there's an application to us, but I don't want you to look at these things and think, oh man, my garden didn't come in. God hates me or I'm experiencing the curse of God. God may be doing something and it could be a demonstration of chastisement. But you can't assume what, what is happening to you is based on these things. I, I want to, just as a disclaimer, be careful not to infuse your story into what's happening here and, and glean things without interpreting right. Does that make sense? That, I hope that's an encouragement to somebody in the room. But verse 19 said, curse you should be when you, in every aspect. And he turns into uh, these these number of different areas. And by the way, I spent some time that all of them could start with D. So I want you to appreciate that. Some of them are a little more of a stretch for the word, but it's like every one of these things um, is an area. Disorientation, like the nation inflicted confusion. You ever been in a basketball game and you're you're a 20 point favorite? A football game, you're a 20 point favorite. But your whole team's confused. It's like you forgot what to do as a team, and you lose by 20. You've, been in that, you've seen that happen. Like that, this was happening in battles. They were so confused about, they're disoriented, and it's like they're fighting against each other, and the enemy just took them. It was disease, and like fiery diseases. Uh, There's drought. There was defeat, and that's, again, enemy came against them. There were disorders, like literally mental disorders. Like they had, they had all kind of things inflicted on them. It wasn't just diseases, but disorders. They were dominated by uh, uh, everybody that came against them. It's the idea, they said this uh, in verse 30, said that when you're, you've married a wife or you betrothed a wife and somebody else ravishes her. You killed your oxen and somebody else ate it. It says you, you have your sons and they took them. It's all these aspects, and I, I, I wrote them down, all the aspects of it, the, the wife, the house. You built the house and somebody else lived in it. You, you raised the vineyard, there's no fruit on it. You had an oxen, a donkey, a sheep. You killed it to eat and somebody else ate it. It's the idea that there was domination in every aspect. There was dominion over them in every aspect of their life. And there's displacement. And we know about that, that, that they were displaced people, dispersed. That's another D word. And then destitution. Uh, it just talked about all these like plagues, almost like the same plagues that were happening in Egypt. And he references that, that there were all these plagues that caused them to just be absolutely destitute. And they, were, they grew to be in debt to the people that were sojourners in their land. Why? Whose fault? That was God's fault, right? 27, they all said, amen. We agree to this. So, it, so if this happens, if all this happens, it's their fault. Right? It says, all these curses shall come upon you and pursue you and overtake you until you are destroyed. 
because you did not obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes that he commanded. And listen, it goes on to describe what, I, I, I parked the bus there around 20 or 45, 50, right in that range, but it goes on to describe a terrifying siege where people are killed and hauled away and they were slaves into these other um, nations that they're foreign to them. They didn't know anything about it. They didn't know the gods that these nations are worshiping. It's all new and they're just in bondage. And it comes to the point, it says, and the Lord will scatter you among all the peoples from, uh, from, from, now, from one end of the earth to the other. And there you shall serve other gods of wood and stone, which neither you nor your father have ever known. Talking of it's portraying, it's talking about something that's going to happen if you don't follow after the will of God, the nation of Israel. And when you look into the history, uh, you watch the storyline of a nation. From that day on, It's terribly destructive. Like they, the part was sent into Assyria. Part of them were taken to captivity in, in Babylonia. And, uh, and we have a lot of storylines in there during the prophets. But I, I want you to think about the devastation of seeing a nation that was once the strongest in the world being left to ruins, scattered abroad. Just, there's no hope. Everything's dead. This is the storyline of Israel. Have you ever seen a, a hurricane or a tornado? Or, uh, I've, I've seen two tornadoes in my lifetime, and I've seen the aftermath of a number of tornadoes and, and hurricanes. Uh, uh, this is a beautiful place. Uh, I should say it was a beautiful place. Um, this place is called Mexico Beach. If some of you guys followed Michael, uh, Hurricane Michael a couple years ago, it went... Just missed Panama City, hit Panama City, but the brunt of it hit Mexico Beach. I remember going there probably 15 years ago, and it was like paradise, like laid back, golf cart communities, everybody, like families at the beach. It's the most, one of the most beautiful beaches in Florida, just real laid back, family-centered place. And then something happened. Destruction came, and one storm, like... We drove there, my wife and I, uh, we drove there coming back from Destin one time. We actually went an hour and a half out of the way just so we could see the devastation. And you could drive down these roads that used to be house after house. You drive down these roads and there's nothing. And you see like a dolly or something, like a, a baby doll on the side of the road. You, you see all these signs of life that once were, but it's just devastating. Uh, I mean, you see... Washer and dryer sitting there. Just all these signs, like somebody used to run through this hallway. Somebody used to live in this house. That's their cabinet, somebody's TV stand. And, and it comes to the point of just so much devastation because what once was is no more. This is the nation of Israel. This is, this is the culture. So much you fast forward, it doesn't fast forward too far, but Ezekiel 37 it mentions this idea of, 
a valley of dry bones. Who's this talking about? Israel. And in the prophecy, I challenge you to read through it, but in the prophecy, the first part of that chapter, um, it's this idea, and you see there's life. And I know this might be graphic to show on a Sunday morning, I don't know, but there's life. It's a biblical picture here. These people were once people. This, this was a people. This was a nation. They were powerful and they had the blessing of God on their life and it shows this destruction in, in the Babylonian captivity and the Assyrian captivity and the, they just dispersed all over the world and there's no hope. It's just deadness, separation. This was the nation of Israel. And the, the prophet says, speak to these bones and, and the storyline shows this picture of the bones coming together. And the sinews and the between the bones, they're connecting. And there's meat on the bones then and then flesh. And then all of a sudden, verse 14 says, and I will put my spirit within you. You shall live. And I will place you in your own land. This is a prophecy speaking directly of Israel that it, the destruction that they faced throughout all of history and let me insert this. I don't want to misrepresent what happened in 1948 when Israel became a nation. This is not that picture. This picture is coming. And, and if you want proof here, look, look at uh, Matthew chapter 24. Immediately after the tribulation, immediately after the seven years of tribulation, of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear the heaven in the heaven, the sign of the Son of Man coming on the clouds in the heaven with power and great glory. This is something different than the rapture. This is God coming to his earth to claim his kingdom on this soil. And where's he going to send up his set up his kingdom? It's going to start in Jerusalem. And he will send out his angels with loud trumpet call and will gather his elect as speaking specifically of gathering the nation of Israel back to their land. He'll gather his elect from the four winds from the end of the earth to the other, the ones that are scattered all over that see him as the Messiah, he gathers them again, and for a thousand years, we're gonna rule and reign with Christ. He's gonna reestablish Israel. So we're saying this, we're a bunch of Gentiles in the room, right? And Gentiles, we sit here and look at that storyline, we're like, how's this involve me? I don't wanna read a story if it's not about me. Reality is, we're partakers We've been grafted into what God is doing through the history of Israel. And the crazy thing is, we're sitting here thinking about what it's, what's it had to do. Maybe we should be saying, what's happening with Israel? If we're to be grafted into them. Get what I'm saying? It does involve you, but you have to care enough to step into the story the way it's read to Israel. Isn't that good? So what do I need to do to be blessed? Now, I want to leave you with something practical, uh, very practical. What do I need to do to be blessed? Uh, it says, Deuteronomy 27, you remember we said amen at the beginning of the sermon? 
Uh, Cursed be anyone who does not confirm the words of this law by doing them, and all the people shall say. So you know what blessing is? It sounds sacrilegious. Blessing is when you do the law. When you don't do the law, there's curse. So literally, you're cursed if you don't live out the entire law. Before you show up to the stage with pitchforks, I want you to show you something that Paul said in Galatians chapter three. He said, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. And then he references that very verse in Deuteronomy chapter 27. It says, cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one No one is justified before God by the law. Not just talking about Israel. If the standard is I have to obey the law in everything in order to get blessing, then we should feel woefully, woefully depressed. Because in this system, you do one wrong thing. James says it this way, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. It's a bleak picture of, uh, to us, even as Gentiles. It's a bleak picture. And, and it's overwhelming when you think translation is, you could be the best, most holy and righteous person in this room, but you do one thing wrong in your entire life and you're guilty of the entire law. You know what that means? You are, you are not worthy of a blessing. You're worthy of a curse. Because you didn't do it with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. You failed in one point. Reality is, let me just say this. It's pretty depressing. And the bad news is, I guess I can't ever be right. I guess I can never be justified before God. Listen to this. Christ redeemed us from the curse of that law by becoming a curse for us. He became my curse for me. He took my curse because of the things, not just the things that I did, but who I am. I am a sinner. And it says, for it is written, curses everyone who is hanged on a tree. And this is talking about a Jesus that stood in the place of my sin, became my sin, and hung on my cross. He was cursed in my place. He hanged on a tree. The, these are out of order, but I'm gonna, let me just say this. He said this to Israel, I will put my spirit within you and you shall live and I will place you in, in, in your own land. It's a, there's something else happening here that when I acknowledge that Jesus died in my place and he was buried, he was buried under the condemnation still. But he rose again to show that what he had, did on, had done on the cross was worthy. And so now... Uh, Look, look at what he says. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. He became my condemnation for me. He became my curse. 
in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled, not by me anymore. What's that say? The righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. That Jesus is my righteous requirement. He is the one that fulfills the law. He is the one that brings blessing. And by faith, I trust in what he has done for me today. Who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And so I echo this thing. I, I want everybody in this room to understand this morning that you are condemned. I know you're not Israel. I know you're not Jewish. You're a human being. You're a Gentile. You are condemned by that law because you are, you're cursed because you couldn't do it. But God sending his only begotten son to take your place of your curse, he offers you life. And so the call today is not to do better at trying to live out the Christian life. The call is not, I'm not calling you to try to do your best to live by the law. I'm calling you to lay hold of somebody that did. So this is our only hope this morning. I don't know where you are this morning personally, but please do not leave a place like this. This is, this is church. We're not, this is not a social club. Uh, it's not a hangout that we do on the weekends to see people in town. Get what I'm saying? But we're a body of believers that echo the fact that it is finished and Jesus finished it on my behalf. I'm a follower of Jesus. And if you've never trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, please do not leave this place. If the Spirit of God is stirring your heart and your, your hands are, might be even sweaty and you're, you, you just sense that God is leading you to respond by faith, do not leave this place. Don't think maybe one day I'll take care of it. God is stirring your heart. Follow him. Follow him.